I'm Dennis Tubergen. This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. Welcome. Glad you decided to listen in this week. Hey, joining me on today's program is returning guest, Mr. Michael Pento. You may recognize Michael as a prolific commentator on a number of different television programs as well as radio programs. I will be joined by Michael in segments two and three of today's program, and I'll be talking to him about what I perceive to be this everything bubble that we're in, and I'm going to talk more about that in this segment. Hey, if you don't yet have the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates app, I don't know what you're waiting for. The app is free. If you're an iPhone user, go to the Apple App Store. If you are a Droid user, go to the Google App Store and just search for the Your RLA app. That's Your RLA, spelled as one word, Y-O-U-R-R-L-A. Search for Your RLA. You'll get the app, and once you have the free app, you'll get access to all of our resources. You'll get the podcast version of this radio program. You'll get the weekly Portfolio Watch newsletter. You'll also get the weekly educational webinar that gives you our take on current economic, financial, and investment news. That information is also available for you to access at our website. You can go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com, and all that information is available there as well. And let me remind you that if you have not yet requested this month's free report, it's titled, When the Credit Cycle and the Currency Cycle Converge. I know those might sound like dry economic topics that maybe don't affect you, but actually it's quite the opposite. When the credit cycle and the currency cycle converge, as I believe they are presently, it has potentially devastating consequences for someone planning for a retirement. So if you'd like to get this report, it's free. We'd be glad to send it to you. Just go to requestyourreport.com. Let us know where to mail it. And we'll get that out to you right away. So are we in an everything bubble? Well, past radio program guest right here, John Rabino, made a case that we are now experiencing a bubble unlike any bubble that we have ever experienced historically. Now, I happen to agree with Mr. Rabino. If you've been a long-time listener to the program, you know that I have long been stating that stocks are becoming more overvalued by the day, bonds are overvalued, and more recently, you want to be a bit leery of real estate, in my opinion. Rubino, in his recent article, pointed out that if you happen to be over the age of 40 today, you have lived through at least three bubbles, or at at least three bubbles that are memorable. If you remember the name Michael Milken, you probably remember the junk bond bubble of the 1980s. You probably remember about two decades ago when the tech stock bubble blew up and unwound. And you probably remember more recently the housing bubble of a little more than a dozen years ago. Now, bubbles form, as we'll talk about, when easy money and easy credit exists. 
Now, each of the bubbles I just mentioned was not an exception to that rule. They all occurred as a result of easy money policies, but as John Rubino points out, they affected only a single sector of the financial markets. Now, the bubble in which we now find ourselves, in my view, looks different. It looks like it's affecting almost every financial sector, as I'll talk about on the program today. But let's get back to what fuels bubbles. Well, if you don't have easy money, a bubble cannot form. Easy money, easy credit is the fuel that drives bubbles. It's the fuel that inflates bubbles. Now, easy money is essentially easy credit. Now, to understand that really money is debt and money is credit, you have to walk back in history to 1971. In 1971, the link, the direct link between the U.S. dollar and gold was abandoned. Then-President Richard Nixon went on television and blaming international money speculators eliminated the link between the dollar and gold, stating that the redemptions of the U.S. dollar for gold would temporarily be suspended. Well, that was actually a permanent suspension of these redemptions. At that time in 1971, money began to be loaned into existence. If the banks had a 10% reserving requirement, if you went and put $100,000 in your bank, your banker would have to reserve $10,000 but could loan out the other $90,000. If the Federal Reserve, the central bank of the United States, which is a private bank, if they wanted to create more money, they would just reduce interest rates because borrowing created money. Money was loaned into existence. This system worked just fine to create money, in my view, for more than 30 years. Then in 2008, after the housing bubble collapsed, the housing bubble that I just mentioned collapsed, interest rates were reduced to zero and nothing happened. Why? Well, people weren't borrowing. As our report this month, when the credit cycle and the currency cycle converge, as this report outlines, at that point, the system had reached its capacity to accumulate more debt. So at that point, the Federal Reserve engaged in a temporary, there's that word again, a temporary program of quantitative easing. Now, quantitative easing is essentially money creation out of thin air. So today we have low interest rates and easy credit, but added to that, we have money creation literally out of thin air. All this is bubble fuel, and this combination makes the bubbles even bigger. Now, if you look at money creation in the United States over the last 20 years, since the turn of the century, one finds that the U.S. money supply has increased at a rate of about 
between 9 and 10% per year until last year. In 2020, with the United States government running a huge deficit, creating more than $3 trillion out of thin air, money creation tripled last year alone. Now, we were told that this is temporary. It's a response to COVID-19. Well, here we are in 2021. There was an MSNBC article last week that pointed out that the operating deficit for 2021 will be $2.3 trillion, and that's before what is a $1.9 trillion stimulus package that seems to be imminent. Well, a little simple math will tell you that that is going to create an operating deficit of more than $4 trillion, $4.2 trillion to be exact. Now, where is that money going to come from? You guessed it. It's going to come from money creation. So there's going to be a lot more easy money floating around, which means there's more bubble fuel. But bubbles can only inflate for a limited time. Bubbles at a certain point have to burst. And in the last segment of today's program, I'm going to take a look at stocks. I'm going to take a look at bonds. I'm going to take a look at real estate. I'm going to take a look at cryptocurrencies. And I'm going to show you that all of these assets seem to be in bubbles. Now, are they ready to burst? Well, there's an old saying that the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. It's very true. What we do know about bubbles is that they can't inflate forever, and at a certain point, they have to deflate. And there are certain strategies that you should be considering for your own individual financial situation now before the bubble bursts. That's the topic of our report for this month. When the credit cycle and the currency cycle converge, I'd love to send you a complimentary copy. All you need to do is go to the website, requestyourreport.com. I'll be glad to send it to you. And again, a quick reminder, go to the App Store, download the Your RLA app, and you'll get lots of free resources there as well. I will be back after these words with Michael Pinto. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I am chatting today with returning guest, uh, Mr. Michael Pento. Uh, Michael is a prolific commentator. Uh, he has uh, the website pentoport.com, and you can go there to get a free trial for his podcast, The Midweek Reality Check. And Michael can be reached uh, by email at mpento, that's M-P-N-T-O, at pentoport.com. Michael, welcome back to the program. Always a pleasure to be on with you, Dennis. So, Michael, given uh, just some recent analysis that I have read, it seems like we may be in an everything bubble. We've got bonds, <laughs> stocks, cryptocurrencies, real estate. Everything's going through the roof. What, what's going on? 
Well, I mean, you don't have to look any further than the Federal Reserve, the, the disgusting institution that used to be in the business of bailing out uh, banks on the margins if they had some bad debt they had to bring to the discount window. Now the Fed controls everything. They're either even uh, vanquishing viruses. They're trying to bring about some kind of uh, uh, equanimity in the economy. Um, nothing wrong with, of course, trying to make an economy fair for everybody, but I don't think you can eradicate years or decades of prejudice by destroying a currency. Um, and the Fed, of course, right now is printing uh, $120 billion each and every month to try to uh, re you know, keep acid bubbles from bursting, to, let's be honest. And and the other mandates besides an emergency lender of, of last resort, they're trying to make sure the stock market never has a downtick ever again. It's really it's really disgusting. But you know, you look at Bitcoin, which is really 64. If you have a private key, it's 64 letters and numbers that sit on your hard drive, unless you put the private key in cold storage. That the code you have. Um, there's nothing really unique about letters and numbers, electronically speaking. Um, but it's $50,000 per unit. Okay, think about that. Gold is you know, sitting there at $1,800 an ounce, $50,000. This is all manifestations of the massive bubbles created by the Federal Reserve. We have a gigantic bond bubble. Okay, it's been building now for 40 years. Uh, start, of course, you know, when the bond bubble, the bond market topped in, in 1980, um, it started to form a bubble after Alan's Green, Alan Greenspan came and massively cut interest rates and printed money. And that was carried on, of course, through Bernanke and Yellen and now Powell. You now have about $20 trillion worth of negative yielding sovereign debt around the planet. This is something never before even dreamed of. But you have a massive bubble in bonds, record low yields, record low spreads between Treasuries and junk bonds, three, uh, 3.3%, Dennis, spread, a nominal yield of under 4% for a junk bond. And of course, you also have the triumvirate of bubbles rounding it out. You have real estate bubbles all over the place where price to sales ratios are, uh, home price to income ratios are again approaching record highs in some areas of the country. So when your market cap to GDP is 197%, almost two times the underlying market, the total market cap of equities, the normal ratio is around 0 0.65, 0 0.7, you know you're in the everything bubble, and it is going to break with absolutely devastating consequences. And I'm speaking to all of you buy and holders out there. I'm speaking to all of you people listening to Dennis and there might not be many because you're one of the people that are aware, Dennis, and hopefully your audience is too. I'm speaking to all the people in, at the sound of my voice who believe you can buy and hold stocks at any level. You are wrong and your retirement is in grave danger. So, Michael, when you, when you, when you look at what's going on right now, uh, there was an article published, I believe it was on MSNBC, so maybe we can believe it. Um, you know, but a $2.3 trillion operating deficit for this year before additional stimulus. And it looks like there's another $1.9 trillion. So we're looking at 
a $4.2 trillion deficit this year at a minimum. We all know how that's going to get funded. Uh, how much longer can this money creation at these insane levels continue in your view? Well, look what's happening with the long end of the bond market right now. I mean, the stock market is doing okay. Why? Because of the massive quantitative easing program that we have, and we have the Fed pinned at zero for years. But what about, Dennis, what about the long end of the bond market? Okay, so we just had, uh, in 2020, $4 trillion of fiscal, and I'll put that in quote, stimulus passed. $4 trillion. Okay, the, la the, the last $900 billion was passed in late December. Now we're going to have $1.9 okay, half that amount in the first couple of months of 2021. And on the heels of that, you're going to have uh, probably an infrastructure package because, you know, both the Democrats and, Rep and Republicans love infrastructure. We have to rebuild every bridge and tunnel and road in, on the planet uh, in the United States and all over the world apparently, especially here in the United States. So um, you're putting a lot of pressure, upward pressure on bond yields. And, you know, you, you went from about a half percent at the, you know, at the nadir for the benchmark, which was around uh, April 2020. And now you're at 1.26, 1.27. And you're on your way back up pretty abruptly to 2%. And the question I have to ask myself for my investors, is how will the market withstand all of this upward pressure on yields? Uh, you know, the discount of future earnings is predicated on, uh, upon that benchmark treasury yield. And if that's rising, it's going to have consequences for the stock market. You just can't borrow trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. I mean, we have deficits in this country that are 15% of GDP. is Banana Republic style. And you're the world's reserve currency. So, you know, you have a lot of debt, you have massive deficits, you have tremendous amount, records amount of QE, and then you add into that that, that very toxic cocktail inflation. We are going to have inflation well above the Fed's preferred 2% target on the core PCE um, come April and May because of just because of the base effects caused by the COVID-19. So, you know, you, then you think, then you think, what happens if the, Dennis, what happens if the vaccines start to work a little bit? I'm, I mean, I'm not a big vaccine believer, especially one that's developed at warp speed and God willing, it works very well without any long-term effects, which we don't know yet because this was rushed through. Um, but what if the vaccines cause the economies to start reopening and you have massive hirings? on the non-farm payroll report in the leisure and hospitality sector. Well, what do you think that's going to make Jerome Powell do? He's going to want to taper that 100. He's going to have to be forced to at least think about tapering it. And if he doesn't taper that, that quantitative easing program, then inflation is going to send these yields past 2% on the way to 3%. And I don't think the equity market, where it's priced today, can withstand that type, the rate of change of bond yield surging. It's not going to last. The stock market will not survive that kind of rate of change in bond yield. So, Michael, as I see it, the Fed is really 
painted into a corner. And I'd, I'd like your opinion on this. I mean, if, if the Fed continues creating money through, through quantitative easing, uh, we'll, we, we will have potentially this destruction of a currency that you alluded to uh, when we started this segment. And if they taper or you know stop, which seems unlikely, then this everything bubble has to come crashing down. Uh, but doesn't it all come crashing down anyway? The question is whether or not we're going to destroy a currency in the process. Well, you know, it's not, you know, listen, Dennis, look what's going on in Europe. Do you think, you know, the dollar's not going to crash against the euro. It's not going to crash against the yen. I'm, I'm much more worried about a bond market crash than I am a currency crash. I mean, yes, the dollar could lose some of its purchasing power. Of course, you know, when we have major liquidity crises in this world, people flock to the dollar. That's been the case. But you made a great point. You said, well, won't it crash anyway? So the, the Federal Reserve can reinflate bubbles with alacrity and ease if they are caused by deflation. But can the Fed save us from a equity market collapse and a bond market collapse that's occurring precisely because of inflation? I have my doubts. You know, if let's just say that Mr. Powell come May or June when he sees these huge increases in, in uh, year-over-year inflation in the CPI and core PCE deflator. And he sees that the economy's opening up and the market sees all this happening too. And then the market also sees this never-ending trillions upon trillions of dollars in fiscal stimulus. And then the market says, hey, inflation's rising. It's going to continue to rise. There's no, there's no way on God's good earth that any central banker has any experience demonstrating that they can pinpoint an inflation rate. You know, they, you know do you think inflation is going to go to the Fed's preferred 2.5% and stop? <laughs> this is ridiculous. I mean, inflation went from you know 4% to almost 20% in the late 70s, early 80s. The Fed didn't want that to happen. It just it happened. And it took... Um, a 20% Fed funds rate to, under Paul Volcker to vanquish inflation. And uh, uh, counterfactually, I mean, let's look at what happened in uh, the wake of the Great Recession. The Fed wanted 2%, and it barely ever got 2% inflation. So when they finally get to 2%, it's going to go, it's going to run right through that, most likely, and continue higher. That's a real risk. And then you say, okay, well, the market's going to look at this in two ways. One, the Fed is going to have to stop buying bonds and maybe even sell some. And what's that going to do to, you know, uh, the front runners? The front runners on Wall Street are going to sell every bond that they ever heard of when they think the Fed's going to start removing their massive and indiscriminate bid. Well, what if the Fed doesn't do that? Well, if the Fed continues QE, that's going to only exacerbate the inflationary environment. And bond yields and Wall Street equities will have to react to that. So can the Fed protect us from an inflationary collapse of equities and bonds, an inflationary and insolvency implosion of bonds? I don't think they can. And that's the real danger. Well, the clock says we're going to have to leave it there for this segment. My guest today is Mr. Michael Pento. The website is pentoport.com. Michael can be reached uh, via email at mpento at pentoport.com. 
And at his website, pentoport.com, you can get a free trial for his podcast uh, named the Midweek Reality Check, and I'd encourage you to check that out at pentoport.com. I'll continue my conversation with Michael Pento when we return. Stay with us. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and you're listening to RLA Radio. My guest today is Mr. Michael Pento. Uh, Michael's website is pentoport.com, and at the website you can sign up for a free trial for his podcast, The Midweek Reality Check. Michael's email is mpento at pentoport.com if you want to reach out. So, Michael, in the last segment we were talking about um, your view that, you know, can, can the Fed save us from an inflationary crash? Um, and, you know, isn't the Fed kind of, you know, greasing the skids, so to speak, to, to prepare us for that? I mean, last year, um, they, they said, we're not going to really look at a 2% hard inflation target. We're going to do average inflation targeting. So, you know, if inflation runs a little bit hot for a while, as long as, you know, it, it was, you know, that that's countered by it not running so hot for a while based on our calculations, we're okay with that. So isn't that kind of greasing the skids for what they see is going to be inevitable anyway? Well, that's precisely my point, Dennis. So they can grease the skids all they want, and they can grease the skids right past two, three, four, five percent uh, inflation. But where will the ten-year note trade? I mean, if you have nominal GDP, let's just say you have two and a half percent GDP growth, and it will be it will be higher based on the base effects I just talked about, and then you throw in two and a half percent inflation, you'll have you'll have nominal GDP, real plus inflation, five six percent. I mean, where where the hell do you think the, the 10-year note is going to trade. It's not going to have a one-handle in front of it. So uh, let's just look what's going to happen. The Fed is going to be um, charged with tapering, and they're going to be tapering like they did in 2013 when the long-term bond yields completely blew up and the bond market was assailed. So if you tape, if you know, let's just look at tapering between the two times. In in 2013, there was 85 billion dollars per month of QE. Now we have $120 billion a month of, of QE. Okay, almost a 50% increase. Um, the market is much more expensive today. If you look at the best metric to, to find the value of the stock market, it isn't PE ratio because e, PE ratios are manipulated. The E, the denominator, is massively manipulated by companies issuing debt to buy back their shares. So if you look at price to sales or market cap total market cap of equities to GDP, we are two times higher now than we were in the just prior to the taper tantrum in 2013. If you look at corporate debt, total non-financial corporate debt as a percentage of GDP, it was 42% in 2013. Today, it's 83%, Dennis. So the, the Fed is not going to be able to gracefully exit this latest round of manipulation of market manipulation and uh it's going to blow up the bond market in an even bigger way and that of course is going to bring down the stock market and that's why i manage money i you know i manage money based on the inflation deflation and economic cycle model that i created okay it tells me when to overweight gold and when to sell my gold what is gold like gold likes 
when you have disinflation, deflation, or inflation without growth. Gold almost likes every environment except for one, when growth and inflation are accelerating. I learned this the hard way, okay? So when do you want to overweight gold? You want to overweight gold when growth and inflation are not accelerating in tandem like they are today. So you'd be better off for now having a very low percentage of portfolio in gold if you have any. But there's going to be a great buying opportunity later this year when growth and inflation are decelerating. So if you have around $100,000 to invest and you're not a buy and hold, deep state of Wall Street kind of guy, Penta Portfolio Strategies is the place for you. So, Michael, let me ask you uh, your opinion. Why, why do you think that we've got this everything bubble, but it doesn't seem to include gold and silver? What, what's holding the price back at this point in your view? So if you would have asked me that question about two minutes ago, I would have just juxtaposed my answer with the question. So this is exactly what I just said. So. I sold most of the gold I had in the fall of 2020. By the way, I'm a gold bug, though, so just bear this in mind. I love gold. You should always have at least 5%, about 5% of your net worth in physical gold. That's how I, that's how I start the conversation with precious metal. But I, I sold the gold in late 2020 because of what I call the vaccine dead zone. And that meant that at that moment, the, the zeitgeist of Wall Street was going to be one of optimism towards reopening the economy. And it was going to last all the way through till the summer, the you know, late spring, early summer of 2021. That's when the, the peak optimism about the vaccines is going to kick in. That's when the peak of year-over-year -year growth and inflation will start to, to uh, attenuate. So that is when you want to start buying gold and the miners at that time. But gold doesn't like rising real interest rates, Dennis. This is very simple. When real interest rates are rising, you have to sell gold. When real interest rates are falling, you want to buy gold. It's all about the rate of change of that dynamic. And when does real interest rates rise? When both inflation and growth are accelerating. I mean, you could have like we had in the 70s, you could have inflation, but without the growth, if you have stagflation, gold is a wonderful thing to own. Because at that point, yields aren't going to be rising faster than inflation, nominal yield. So that's that's the answer in a nutshell. Like it or not, hate me or not. I mean, we, we, we want to understand when it's best to underweight and overweight precious metals. Um, by the way, I just want to wrap this with a little ribbon. If you look at the trajectory of debt and deficits, not only in this country, but around the world. It is the, the, the end of the fiat currency regime is in sight. Just look at the, the, the lunacies happening in, in the cryptocurrencies, in Bitcoin. So it's coming to an end, and that, you have to believe, is massively bullish long-term for gold. But what I do as a money manager is just toggle that waiting. So, Michael, let's... Uh... Let's focus a bit on uh, what you're doing now with clients' money. Uh, do, do you, are you short bonds at this point? Short stocks? What, what, what are you What are you doing right now? Um, so you you know you asked a you asked a great question. So I am not technically short bonds strictly. So I have a 
I have a quadratic um, ETF that I use um, called IVOL. I-V-O-L. And again, I'm not recommending this for anybody because I haven't done due diligence, but it's basically an investment that makes money when the yield curve expands. So since the two-year note is and the Fed funds rate is pegged, you know, pretty much around zero, um, but then you have inflation and mounting debt and deficits eroding bond prices on the long end, you're going to see that yield curve uh, widen. That's my prediction. That's why we own the quadratic fund, and um, it's working very, very well for us. What do you? Uh, what's your take on stocks? I mean, if the Fed continues this this massive program of quantitative easing, uh, could that be bullish for stocks for a while longer? Yeah. Again, so right now we have no shorts in the portfolio. I'm and I'm and I when I say that I you know I'm biting my knuckles because <laughs> you know when you when you have uh, when your market cap to GDP is almost a hundred and you know almost two hundred percent of the economy. Um, you know that you're, you're going to have a crash, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a crash landing, and it's going to leave a lot of people insolvent, bankrupt when it happens. So what I'm, I have a 20-point model, again, called the inflation, deflation, and economic cycle model. So I look at thing like, things like LIBOR, OIS spreads, junk credit spreads, um, the move index, um, break-even spreads. I, I can go on and on, but there's 20 points to the model, 20, 20 components. And I try to time when I exit this market. You know, Dennis, I could have, you could have interviewed me last year, and um, I would have told you, listen, the market is very expensive, and we need to, you know, stay out of it. And then I would, wouldn't have had to enjoy the nice returns we had in 2020. And likewise, this year, even more to the case, we wouldn't have had a good January or so far a good February if I was just all in cash. I'm trying to, to find a smarter way to ride these bubbles and be able to extricate me and my clients at the right time. And using these various internal measurements of the market, like the ones I just met, mentioned, the credit spreads and the health of um, the move index and, and junk bonds, I can hopefully, God willing, get my clients out because there's not going to be a lot of time or a lot of seats left when this when the wipeout occurs. However, Counterfactually, if you just sit out and say this market's, you know, the market's very expensive and I don't want to participate in it, Dennis, you're in you're in cash, which is being debauched on a daily basis, and you're losing money. That's your decision to lose money each and every day due to inflation and the way most people calculate it in a realistic sense, it's you know, it's mid to high single digits now. That you're losing your purchasing power every year. That and and on top of that you're losing out on you're missing out on the gains that Mr. Powell is providing for you at this current moment. So Michael, we've got just a couple minutes left. Uh have an opinion on real estate, both commercial and residential? Com commercial I absolutely hate um and I said this for years even before the uh, pandemic uh broke out. You have the am you know when you combine the amazonization, is that a word? Can you say amazonization? Uh I'm, I'm going to check it out. I think that is in Merriam-Webster, though. I think you're good. <laughs> All right. The Japanification, it might be an Amazonation of the world. Um, you can combine that with, hey, listen, you know, because we have such great advances in technology, I don't need to have even have this, this expensive office that I have. I mean, why do I, you know, I can meet clients via Zoom. Um, people don't want to go, go out anymore. Um, and uh, if they don't have to, 
you know, you have you have weather to, to contend with. You have COVID. To, by the way, I just want to, as an aside, tell you in my belief, I don't. I think we're going to be living with COVID nineteen like we live with the influenza virus. It's going to be a you know a week. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a yearly vaccine that you have to change using the um, mRNA technologies, and so there'll there'll going to be there's going to be a lot of impetus. And a lot of um, momentum behind the I don't want to shop or expose myself in in environments of where mass people gather if I don't have to. So um, if you combine that with um, with, uh, with what's going on with Amazon, you don't want to own commercial real estate. And on top of that, you asked me about uh, residential real real estate. We make no mistake about it. We are in an echo bubble. Um, you've priced out the first-time home buyer again, even with record low interest rates. So, what is real estate not like? <laughs> even worse than gold rising rates. So, um, you'll get a better opportunity to buy, or you know, to buy a house. If you're a seller, sell it right now. If you're a buyer, hold off until the summer. I think you'll have a better opportunity. It's my opinion. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Our guest today has been Mr. Michael Pento. I would encourage you to visit his website and sign up for his free trial for his podcast, The Midweek Reality Check. That's at pentoport.com. And you can reach Michael at mpento at pentoport.com. Michael, always a pleasure to chat with you and love to have you back down the road. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Dennis. We will return after these words. I'm Dennis Tubergen. This is RLA Radio. Glad you're listening in today, and thanks again to Mr. Michael Pento for joining us on today's program. You know, we're talking on this week's program about and considering a very important question. Are we in the everything bubble? And in the first segment, I talked about the fact that easy credit and money creation is really bubble fuel. In this segment, I want to point out where stocks, bonds, cryptocurrencies, and real estate are. And I am firmly convinced that these markets are all in a bubble, and it's a direct result of currency creation. And if you've not yet done so, I'd encourage you to order our February free report when the credit cycle and the currency cycle converge. It's a free report, and it's got strategies in it to consider. If you are planning for a comfortable, stress-free retirement, it's must-reading in my view. Go to requestyourreport.com. I'll be glad to send you a copy. Well, let's start with bonds, U.S. government bonds. Well, bond yields of late have started to rise, which means bonds are losing value. And I know most listeners understand this, but bond yields and prices are inversely correlated. When bond yields rise, it means prices are falling. Over the longer time frame, going back, say, to 1980, yields have fallen dramatically, which means bond prices have risen significantly. 
Many of you may remember in the early 80s when interest rates were very high. A 10-year U.S. Treasury note yield at that point was about 15%. Today, it's about 1%. Prices have risen in line with yields falling 15-fold. Now, if you think that interest rates, as low as the interest rates we have today, are normal, John Rabino published a chart, and if you'd like to see this chart, I put it in the Portfolio Watch newsletter. You can go to the App Store, download the Your RLA app, just search under Your RLA, typed as one word, and you can find the app. And then if you look at the Portfolio Watch newsletter uh, that was just distributed, just published last week, you'll see this chart. Now, the chart is titled Visualizing Interest Rates Throughout History. And the chart goes back 670 years to the year 1350. Yes, bonds have been around even longer than that. The chart looks at the yield on the Dutch perpetual bonds in the 1400s, the yields on the bonds issued by the Genoa Republic in the 1500s and early 1600s, the UK perpetual bond that started to be issued in the 1700s, and looks at U.S. government bonds, which started to be issued in the 1900s. In 670 years, bond yields have never been this low. What does that mean? Well, it means bond valuations have never been this high. And we all know these nosebleed bond valuation levels are not because the credit risk of the bond issuers is low. Do you have less risk loaning the U.S. government money today than you did in 1980? In 1980, you were compensated 15% annually on your bond. Today, it's a little more than 1%. Is it because the U.S. government is a better credit risk? I think we all know that is not the case. Interest rates are artificially low while credit risk is rising. That makes this a perfect storm for a bond bubble, which is exactly what my guest today, Michael Pinto, talked about. Now, it's not just bonds. I believe stocks now are overvalued as well. When you look at the Buffett indicator, which takes the total value of stocks, total market capitalization of stocks, and divides by gross domestic product or economic output, we now have stocks valued at a level that they've never before seen. Even prior to the tech stock bubble blowing up, stocks did not have the current level of valuation. Stocks, without a doubt, are overvalued. They're more overvalued than at any time in the last 30 years. More overvalued now than they were in 1929. Now, you may remember that housing, as we talked about in the first segment, the housing bubble built and then burst last decade. Well, it seems we're headed in that direction again. The Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis just put out a U.S. home price chart and if you take a look at home prices now, compared to at the peak of the housing bubble, they are much higher. And one needs only to consider the activity in the residential real estate market to realize that home prices 
may also be in a bubble. When a desirable home hits the market and there are multiple offers same day, offering more than the listing price, you have a pretty good indicator that prices are in a bubble. Bitcoin, a unit of Bitcoin that a dozen years ago sold for less than a penny is now over $50,000. Ethereum also is in a bubble. Now, almost every market and economic sector is now bubbling, and I believe it's all because of the easy money created by the central bankers at the Federal Reserve And it seems that the bankers have no intention of changing course anytime soon. Now, what should you be doing? Well, the first thing I would encourage you to do is to educate yourself. And to that end, we have a report available this month titled, When the Credit Cycle and the Currency Cycle Converge. You can get your copy of the report by visiting requestyourreport.com. We'll be glad to send you a complimentary copy of the report. Also, Go download the RLA app, the Your RLA app. Just go to the App Store, type in Your RLA, and the app will pop up. You can download it for free, and you'll get access to all of our resources, including the podcast version of the radio program, our weekly educational news webinars, um, as well as our weekly newsletter. That's all the time I have for this week. Glad you decided to listen in. Hope you got something you can use, and I'll be back again next week.